All right, thank you very much. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. It's funny that we started uh, singing Christmas carols this morning. Because Christmas is right around the corner. Can you believe it? There are only 26 days left till Christmas. And so if you are a procrastinator, now is the time to get out of the procrastination and get going. I am one of those people. I, it's not so much that um, I'm a procrastinator by, by nature. I, I tend to not be. It's the fact that I hate shopping so much that I don't ever want to do it. So I put it off and put it off and put it off. And now, especially with COVID and all the people that are now going to malls and doing all this stuff, it literally, I, it gives me a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. I roll up into the parking lot and I have to take a deep breath and say, all right, here we go. You can do this. You can do this. On top of that, I only have one person to buy for and it's the most important person in the world, to me anyway. And so I want to make sure I do a good job. And so the pressure, it's just so much, I just can't handle it. Anyway, so if you're a procrastinator like me in this area, now would be the time to get out and doing those things. There's so much going on at Christmas time. There's so many things that go. There's the lights. There's the trees. There's the Grinches like myself. Um, there are presents. There's snow. There's all kinds of wonderful things that happen at Christmas. I find Christmas to be an interesting time of year. I really don't like what Christmas has become. Uh, I enjoy what Christmas should be, but uh, I don't like what Christmas has become. But the interesting thing is we st we're going to start singing songs like Joy to the World and How Great Our Joy and Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Angels We Have Heard on High and all of these different songs. But every single one of these songs that we sing usually has a term in it. One of those terms is very simply a three-letter word of joy. Joy. When we think of Christmas, we often think of joy to the world. We often think how great our joy. The angels sing joyfully. All these different things. Christmas is a time of joy. Christmas is a time to rejoice. Yet as we look at our lives today and as we look at our world today, there will be many, many people who do not have joy during this Christmas season. There will be many people that even past the Christmas season, really all year long, who do not have joy. And as we think about that, this is not to say that people don't want to have joy. There are people that don't have joy, but I, I fully believe that every person under the sun wants to have some sort of joy in their life. We all look for it. We all want it. We all desire it. We all want to be as joyful as we can. We all want to rejoice in good things of our lives. Let's ask this question this morning. How is it that we can rejoice? How is it that we can rejoice? How is it that we can have joy? Joy in the midst of a pandemic. Joy even when things don't go like we had planned. Joy when problems come. Joy when things get ugly. How do we have joy constantly in our lives? Before we jump into this, let's define exactly what joy is. Joy from Webster's Dictionary means the passion or emotion 
excited by the acquisition or the expectation of good. Pleasurable feelings or emotion caused by success, good fortune, and the like. Or by a rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire. Gladness, exhilaration of spirit, delight. Now I know that's kind of complex. Let me break it down for you. It's basically the emotion felt when something good is about to happen or when something good happens. It is the emotion you have when you finally get what you so desperately desired. That's what joy is described as in Webster's Dictionary. Now I want you to understand this. That is a shallow version of joy. Shallow version of joy. And there are some, there's a lot of truth to it, but so often we look at that on a, on a uh, physical level. We look at it on only what we get or what we receive, and we look at it as possessions. God has a different joy than physical possessions. While this definition gives us an idea of what joy is, it does not tell us how to, number one, receive joy, and it definitely does not tell us how to keep joy. Because if we look at it purely from a physical perspective, we'll say, oh, I want that new smartphone. And as soon as we get it, we have a little bit of happiness for a little while, and then that fades. And then we want something new. And then we want something new. And then we want something new. And if we continually keep getting something new, then okay, we'll maintain that happiness. But if we don't, if we don't continue to receive what we want, and we don't continue to have our expectations met, then our joy, if you will, continues to go further. So our joy must be placed somewhere else. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled this morning, The Joy of Rebuilding. The Joy of Rebuilding. So let's take a look at our story, Ezra chapter 6. Jump down with me to verse 15. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 15. Watch this now. Very important first verse. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. And offered at the dedication of this house of God an hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve he goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses for the service of the God of God, which is at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the fourteenth day of the first month. For the priests and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity and for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come again out of the captivity, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of, heath of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel, did eat." Verse 22, and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. Father, thank you for these people that have taken the time to come and hear your word. And I pray, Father, that it would not return void. I pray that you would remove me from this, uh, this 
situation. And Father, I pray that your word would clearly speak. And Father, I just pray that your word would go forth today. Father, that you would help us to have fullness of joy. We love you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross that we can even experience a taste of joy, of what real joy is. And Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at this story, I can't help but feel an overwhelming amount of joy for them. They had finally accomplished what they had set out to do. Everything they wanted to do was finally accomplished. They had finished the work. They had finished the work not only that they wanted to do, but that God had instructed them to do. Everything was joyful. Everything was wonderful. Everything was all cupcakes and rainbows, if you will. It was spectacular. Wonderful time. Now, some of you might be looking at this story and maybe roll your eyes a little bit. And you might say, well, of course they have joy. Let me look at what's going on. Look at the world that they live in. Look at how happy they are. Look at what they've accomplished in their lives. They have just had something big happen. They have just had something amazing go on. And some of you might look and think, well, nothing big ever goes on in my life. Nothing wonderful ever happens to me. I mean, why can't I have something like this? Why can't God provide for me in this way? Why can't I ever have a moment in which I stand back in awe and enjoy, be completely and utterly happy with what God has allowed me to do? I can't have joy because nothing joyful ever happens to me. I want you to write this down this morning. Joy is not produced, it is provided. Write this down because you will need this someday. Joy is not produced, it is provided. Joy is not produced, it is provided. And so if you are not experiencing joy, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that you are not having joy. And no, hear me, this is not something that you go out and get for yourself. Someone provides it for you. Someone provides it for you. I want you to write down, first of all, joy comes from God. Joy comes from God. You don't believe me, go to Ezra chapter 6 and look at verse 22, the very last verse that we read. Watch this. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. Watch this now. For the Lord had made them joyful. The Lord had made them joyful. Who made them joyful? The Lord. God. Yes, absolutely. It was nothing of their own doing. God had made them joyful. Joy can only come from God. Write it down. Think about it. Process this with me. Joy can only come from God. So yes, we, we are excited when we get something. Yes, we are excited when something wonderful happens. Yes, we have all these things. But listen, true, everlasting joy, fullness of joy, only comes from God. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how, can you, how do you know that? This is just one example. Listen, you can take a whole lot of examples through the Bible, but let's give you a couple. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit... The Spirit of God is love. Anybody know what the second one is? Joy. 
It comes from God. When you have the Spirit of God working in your life, the fruit of that is joy. It only comes from God. It only comes from God. It is as a result of the Spirit of God that we can receive joy. Many times in our lives we think that if we will just reach the next stage in our life, we will be joyful. Man, if I, could, if I could just move up the corporate ladder, if I could just retire, if I could just, you fill in the blank, if I could just have these things, if I could just make it to this point, I will be happy. If I could just have the next best thing, I'll be joyful. But in reality, again, I want to define terms. All that really is is just happiness. That's happiness. And if I could retire I'm saying this as 32 years old. Man, if I could retire, I'd be happy. Listen, some of you are saying, no, you wouldn't. I have so many plans already of things that I would love to do when I retire. My dad just retired. And I'm thinking, man, I could do this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, Dad, are you doing any of these things? No, I'm not doing any of those things. I'm like, come on, you got to get busy and do some of those things. Listen, you might say, well, if I make it to this next stage, I could just get married. If I could just get my driver's license. If I could just, you, you fill in the blank. If I could just have the next best thing. Listen, yes, those things will make you happy. They will, and that's okay. But do not depend on those things for your joy. Because your joy does not come from those things. It is purely and simply happiness. If we get what we want when we want it, we are happy. Happiness is based upon our circumstances. Listen to that. Happiness is based upon our circumstances. We get what we want, we're happy. If we don't, guess what? We're not happy. I'm that way. Anybody else that way? Man, if I don't get what I want, I am not happy. I want to get what I want. If I say something that I want to do as a family, man, we better do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to be happy. I'm a bear to live with. Listen, that's just natural. That's normal. But hear me. The joy that comes from God can be full all the time. The joy that comes from God can be full all the time. Joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. It is dependent upon God. And guess what? I happen to know that Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And so if our joy is in God, our joy never changes. Because it's in God. God who changes not. God who gave us everlasting life. This is the epicenter of joy. This is where joy originates from God. You don't believe me? Philippians 4.4 4 is our second example. Rejoice in the what? Lord. Always. And again I say rejoice. So listen, you can rejoice in the Lord always. And then again, I say rejoice. 
It's just a rejoicing time. Listen, when you rejoice in the Lord, you can have it always. You can have it forever, and you can continue and continue and continue to rejoice. But it is only in God. It is only in God. When we are in God, we can rejoice. When we have God, we can rejoice. We have joy in God. That is the only thing. Listen, you must understand that. Before we move any further, you must understand that joy only comes from God. Most of you are thinking, okay, that's great, that's wonderful. But we need to get practical here, don't we? We need to figure out exactly how we receive joy. How do we experience this joy in God? Because let's face it, pandemics come and pandemics go. Hard times come and hard times go. Financial problems come, financial problems go. All of these things come in and out of our lives. And listen, hear me. Circumstances really do change our emotions, don't they? I'm not going to stand up here in front of you and say that there's never been a circumstance that has shaken my happiness. 100%. If I get tired, I'm not happy. It's that simple. Listen, I understand all of those things, but we're looking past happiness and we're trying to find true joy, true joy in life. So how do we experience it? How do we receive it? I want you to notice, second of all, that we can have joy in obedience. Joy in obedience. Look at verse 15 with me of Ezra chapter 6. Verse 15, the Bible says, And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which is in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. Obedience. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how does this have anything to do with obedience? They obeyed God and built. They built. That's what God had instructed them to do. Listen, I want you to go and I want you to build the house of God. They obeyed. Verse 16, notice with me, And the children of Israel, the priests, Uh, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the children of the captivity. Notice this next word, kept. Kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. They kept it. What did they keep? Listen, God had instructed them to do several things with the dedication. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time going through this, but I want you to understand they obeyed. They kept. They did what they were told. Verse 19. And the children of the captivity, look, kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. God had instructed them to keep the Passover. It was something that they were supposed to do as Jewish people. This is part of the law. This is what you do. This is so they kept the Passover. Verse 22, and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. Do you understand what they're doing? God had instructed them to do something, build the house of God. Years and years and years ago, God had instructed Moses that these are the things that all Jewish people are to do. And guess what? They started obeying and keeping what God had intended for them to keep. They were obeying God. You say, Pastor Yomans, how in the world does that create joy? Well, somehow in our culture, I have no idea how. I'm sure if I spent a great deal of time thinking about it and wrote a book on it and then got my PhD on it, I could explain it. I want you to think about this. 
somehow in our culture, we've gotten the idea that obedience is dark and gloomy. Obedience is dark and gloomy, man. You don't want to obey anything. It's slavery. It's servitude. We have gotten the idea that obedience is bad. I'm not saying you people in particular, but as a culture, we don't want to make our children obey. That's bad. Listen, I've been out in public and made my children obey, and it's wonderful to see the wonderful looks people give you when you make your children obey. Obedience is bad. We don't want to obey laws. We don't want to submit ourselves to the government. We want to go rogue and live our lives the way that we want to live them. We want to be in control of our own destiny. And that means that no one is going to tell me what to do. I've heard that so many times in my short 32 years. No one is going to tell me what to do. We all want control of our lives. We want control of our destiny, and I'll, I'll be flat out honest with you. I completely understand this. I completely understand it. I was not the most obedient child. I was not the most obedient in school, and I was not the most obedient in college. But listen, I understand that I want to control myself. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live that life. We all want to do the things that we want to do. We all want to do them when we want to do them. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. I want to go as fast as I want to go down the 401. I'll do it. I'll break every speed limit. As long as nobody catches me, I'm totally fine with it. Right? We all want to do that. We all yell and scream at the person in front of us that's going 120 when we want to go 140. We all have been in positions of our lives where we thought that someone else or there was something else on the other side of the boundaries. The grass is greener on the other side. We've all been in situations like that. Man, man if I could just get over there. I mean, the government, look at what they're doing. My parents, oh, they just, oh, they just don't understand. I mean, I'm 16 years old. I know everything. Right? Anybody else been there? I've been there. How dare my parents tell me what to do? There's something better on the other side. We've all felt the resistance to be controlled. Listen, we all, we all don't want to be controlled. We want to live our lives. We want to experience those things outside of the boundaries. We all, we all want those things. We have all felt the discouragement of being what everyone else seems to think we should be. Confined to a box. This is what you are. This is what you should be. You cannot get outside of that box. We've all been there. We've all felt that discouragement. We've all felt like we can't think outside of the box. We can't try new things. We've all been there and done that. I want you to hear me and hear me well. Joy comes from obedience. Joy comes from obedience. I'm going to take you over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 10. John chapter 15 and verse 10. 
Watch now. The Bible says this. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Keep the commandments. Look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Obey commandments, abide in me, spend time with me, learn of me, obey everything that I give you, and then my joy shall remain in you, and your joy shall be full. I'm just reading the Bible to you. Quite frankly, that doesn't sit well with me. Why can't I be happy outside of that? Why do I have to obey all the commandments just because you want me to? And I have to do what you say. All of these different things, right? We feel this way. Well, I want you to think about this. The Bible is written in such a way that it gives us great liberty. The Bible is written in such a way that it gives us great liberty. It transcends time. It encompasses all cultures and all nations. It encompasses all time periods. The Bible gives us principles in which to live our lives. Just principles. We get to live our lives however we want to within these boundaries. Guess what? Social media is not in the Bible. Trust me, I've looked. It's not in the Bible. But there are Bible principles that help us with our social media. Guess what? Television is not in the Bible. It's not. But guess what? There are principles that help us with how we watch our television. Spotify is not in the Bible, but there are Bible principles that help us with our music. Checking accounts and RRSPs are not in the Bible. But guess what? There are principles in the Bible that allow us and help us with our finances. When the Bible is clear and open and transparent, it is clear for a reason. It is black and white for a reason. And when it is silent, it is silent for a reason. Listen, I don't have an RRSP right now, and some of you are going to freak out about that. It doesn't matter if I do or don't. There are biblical principles that help me with my finances. I don't care if you don't listen to any music at all or you do. Listen, there are Bible principles. Listen, you have a liberty in Christ to do things however you want within the boundaries of God. It's amazing. It encompasses time. It encompasses everything because that's how the Bible is written. It is clear where it is clear and it is silent where it is silent for a reason. Here's our responsibility to stay within the guidelines. To stay within the guidelines. And when we stay within the guidelines, we can experience fullness of joy. You say, Pastor Owens, I'm still not convinced. All right, let me, let me give you a really simple illustration that you will probably think is ridiculous. A couple years ago, my mom bought us a Keurig machine, a coffee maker. At the point that up until this point we had just a tassimo and there was a few problems with it and we wanted something that was going to work better 
But guess what I do with my Keurig? Anybody want to take a guess? I make coffee with it. Every morning. Every morning I get up, we have a pod that is a filter. I put my own coffee in there because I'm cheap. I put it in. I put water in it. I put that thing in. I close the lid and I push a button and one cup of coffee is made and I put cream in it and I drink it. And guess what? Every day I am excited. I am happy. I am ecstatic with my cup of coffee that my Keurig maker made. It has given me extreme happiness. I like coffee. But do you know why it gives me happiness? Because I used it for what it was intended for. I used it for what it was intended for. It was intended to make coffee. Guess what I do? I read the instructions. I know I'm not a man. Because I, I read the instructions. And guess what? I take care of it. I do the descaling that you're supposed to do. And I clean the filter out in the back. And we actually use reverse osmosis water so that it's just as pure coffee as you can get. Listen, I follow every detail of this thing because I want it to work properly. And I want it to give me happiness every morning. And it does. Guess what I don't do with it? I don't fill it with vegetable oil and put in the front where you put the pot, I don't put cut up potatoes and try to make french fries with it. I also don't try to vacuum the floor with it. I also never, have never used it for a pillow. You say, Pastor Jones, that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. You're correct. That's ridiculous. I've used it for what it was intended for. It does seem ridiculous, but this is exactly what we do in life. This is exactly what we do in life. We try to live our lives the way that we want to. And guess what? We end up hating it. We end up despising it. We end up being frustrated with it. And why won't this work properly? I'm trying so hard. Listen, I would do the same thing if I used my Keurig for a pillow. Man, this is frustrating. Why isn't this thing comfortable? Man, I just wish it would just be a little bit softer. I wish it would be this and I wish it would be that. Listen, why don't I just use it for what it was intended for? Why don't I go buy a pillow? But here we are in our lives, living them the way that we want to live them and thinking, why isn't it working out for me? Why can't I accomplish what it is that I want to accomplish? God is our creator, and guess what? He's given us an instruction booklet. And he's told us exactly how we ought to live our lives to have fullness of joy and be excited about it and have happiness every single day and never lose out on it. And he said, listen, if you'll just obey my commandments, if you'll just follow the instruction booklet, you'll have joy. You'll be excited about your life. When we live our lives the way that he intended, we will have joy unspeakable, full of glory. You just won't, be, you, you won't know how to put it into words. We will actually enjoy our lives. 
please don't take my word for it. Please don't. Obviously, the Bible here in Ezra chapter 6 is pretty clear that God gave them joy. And they kept feasts with joy. And they obeyed and had joy. But please don't take my word for it. Please try it for yourself. Get your Bible out. Find out what God says about finances and live by it. And see what happens. See what God says about being a father and live by it and see what happens. See what God says about being a husband and live by it and see what happens. See what God says about relationships and live by it and see what happens. Listen, put God to the test. Listen, most men don't read the instructions and say, ah, I can figure it out. Right? Come on now, don't leave me hanging up here. That's exactly what we do. And listen, most men are smart. Most men can figure it out until it comes to Ikea furniture. And if you don't have the instructions, you're going to be banging your head against the wall, wondering what in the world you missed and what is this piece for? And how did, how, how did, how did I get to this point? Oh, i got to go back three steps. Listen, that is exactly how we live our lives. There's intricate details in the Bible that God has given us to live our lives by. And so often we get to 40 years old and we go, oh, man, i got to go back a few steps. I miss some things. The joy is not there like it should be because we never followed God's instruction booklet. Listen, these people received joy because they obeyed. God gave them joy because they obeyed. But in obeying, they received, watch this, number three, they received joy in accomplishment. Joy in accomplishment. Remember how we looked at this at the very beginning and thought, oh man, if I could just have that, Look at verse 15 again. And this house was finished. Man, we've been waiting for this day. This is week 11. We've been waiting for this day for 11 weeks to hear that the house was rebuilt. It's done. It's over. They had accomplished what they had set out to do. Let me ask you, did it take longer than, it in, in, than they had anticipated? Oh, absolutely. Did they encounter more resistance than they ever anticipated? Oh, yeah. Sure they did. But in the end, guess what? They obeyed, and because they obeyed, they accomplished. Because they obeyed, they accomplished. The point here is this. So many times in our lives we decide to do something. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead with this. I'm going to move forward. But when there are difficulties, we quit. It seems like we never accomplish anything in our lives. We get to that midlife. We have a midlife crisis. Oh no, what have I done with my life? We look back at our lives and wonder, what have we accomplished? We have quit just about everything that we have started. We may not have completely forsaken God. You know, I'm, I'm here in church this morning. We may not have completely forsaken God, but we also haven't done anything to obey Him either. You see, so often we live this, shall I say, lukewarm life. 
where we'll obey God some of the time and then we'll disobey the other part and we'll live for God this week and this week we don't do anything and we, we kind of go back and forth and back and forth. Guess what God says? I will spew thee out of my mouth. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Do you think that's going to be joyful? No. You think if I just don't live for God at all, I'm going to be joyful? No. Listen, when you live for God and you obey Him consistently and constantly, you obey Him every single day, we will have accomplishment. When you take steps toward God every single day, when you're 40, when you're 60, when you're 80, when you're 100 years old laying on your deathbed, you're going to look back and go, man, look at what God has accomplished because you just obeyed. Listen, these people have a building in front of them, standing, a wonderful structure. That didn't just happen overnight. It took a long, long time. There was a lot of battles they had to fight, but they just kept obeying. They just kept obeying, and now they're having the joy of accomplishment. Write this down. Life lived God's way will provide amazing accomplishments. Life lived God's way will provide amazing accomplishments. We often look at people, maybe in the Bible or around the world, and we stand in awe of their accomplishments. We think about Moses crossing the Red Sea. Wow, what an accomplishment. We think about David defeating a giant. We think about Peter walking on the water. We think about the disciples seeing 3,000 people being saved. Listen, the list could go on and on and on, and we look at accomplishments. We think, man, wouldn't it be nice to experience that? Wouldn't it be nice to experience that kind of joy? But there is not one of us in this room that is willing to obey every single day in order to experience those accomplishments. We'll never get there because we're not willing to go through what Moses went through. We're not willing to go through what David went through. We're not willing to go through what Peter went through. We're not willing to go through what the disciples went through. We're not willing to do any of those things. Listen, these men and these women obeyed God every single moment of every single day. And guess what? When they didn't, they came back to God. They might got away from God. Listen, Abraham... Oh, do a study on Abraham. He was constantly messing up. He was constantly doing things wrong. But every single time he would build an altar, he would come back to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. And before long, excuse me, Abraham's doing amazing feats of faith. Listen, this is how you experience joy. If you want to write something else down, go ahead and write this down. You will never accomplish until you obey. You will never accomplish until you obey. It takes a consistent, overcoming effort every day to experience the accomplishment. Listen, God has an incredible plan for each and every one of you. God has something that he wants to do in your life. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Jones, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the struggles that I've had to face. You don't, you don't know the problems that have come up in my life. You, don't, you have no idea, and you're right, I don't. I've not lived some of your lives. 
But I know this. God knows. God knows everything that you've been through. God has allowed everything that you've been through into your life. And guess what? He still wants you to have joy and experience great accomplishments in your life. Still. Still. But you're going to have to do it through him. Let me give you one last verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Excuse me, 4 and verse 13. Excuse me. Previous to that, guess what it is? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Is it any coincidence those are in the same chapter? Is it any coincidence that if we will just do things in God, through God, we will have great accomplishments? And if we will live in God, we will have joy? It's no coincidence. No coincidence whatsoever. Listen, joy only comes from God. And it only comes from obedience in God. And you will only have the joy of accomplishment when you obey God every step of the way. And this all starts with salvation. I don't know everybody here. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then I hope today you would know that. I will hope today that you would start with joy. The Bible says that there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. One person that decides that no longer is it going to be about me. It's going to be about God. I'm a sinner. I deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood. If you don't know that today, we'd love to help you with that and explain that to you. You can never have joy without God. And it starts with salvation. And if you're already saved, can I encourage you? Obey him. Obey him in every aspect of your life. In your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, in every, every part, every part. And see if you'll experience joy. Most of you have tried doing it your own way for long enough. Isn't it time you tried to do it God's way? Live life with joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day for all that you've done for us. Father, I want to thank you personally for this message. It was such an encouragement to me. Because there are so many times in my life I try to move forward on my own. I try to do it my own way. I try to live life the way that I want to live it. And yet, Father, I usually end up crashing and burning. Father, a life lived with you and for you will bring joy. Help these people and myself that sit in front of me today. Help us all to experience fullness of joy. Father, if there's someone that's decided that they're not going to obey you, then I pray that they would change their mind today. Live that life that you promised us. Life more abundantly. 
Father, I pray that today, if there's one here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, then that today they would know that. Today they would enter into a relationship with you. For the rest of us, help us every single day to obey and receive joy from you and give you glory for the accomplishments in our lives. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your